You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and before we get to the episode proper, it's Anzac Day today, Saturday the 25th of April 2020. I'd just like to give a shout out to all servicemen and women out there, those that are in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and if you're in the United States, the Marines as well, for your service to your respective countries. My grandfather fought in World War II. He certainly told me a few stories of his time serving in the Australian Army back in the 40s, of course, being World War II. So thank you very much for your service, wherever you are. Now, the interview subject that I have lined up for you is Eric Peterson from Testament. Now, the reason for the chat is to talk up the simply brilliant album from the guys for 2020, titled Titans of Creation. And of course, if you don't know, Eric is the principal creative driving force in the band. As he says through the conversation, he writes over 90% of the music. Something else I should let you know too, I've had all sorts of gremlins through my electronic stuff. That's the only way I can really put it, from bloody scooters to my Mac here to Premiere Pro, the Adobe software I use to put these podcasts together. Don't know what's going on, and I couldn't use my regular microphone, so I ended up using the Max microphone for the interview, and it sounds like shit, to be honest with you, but I tidied it up as best as I could. Either way, as I certainly hope you've come to expect, it's a quality conversation with one of the greatest guitarists in heavy metal. It's Eric Peterson. So here he is. Hello. Hey, Eric, Andy, because Smith calling for a chat. How are you going? Good. How are you going? Were you, uh, is this the guitar and scars? Spot on. That's me. Scars and guitars, but same thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, yeah, I, I thought we were, you were calling me at uh, four. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. John's told me to call now, but that's okay. I can call in half an hour's time if you want. No, no, no. I, I have an interview, another interview in like 20 minutes. So it's, I've been waiting for 35 minutes. Oh, have you? It's, uh, it's, it's 4.35 here. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. John's, John told me, well, 9.35 my time. So he's told me to call now effectively. Oh, so I apologize, apologize for the, for the muck about. Oh, that- that's all right. Let's uh, we can start it, but when the other call comes, I got to jump over. That's a shame, mate, because I've been there's a heap of questions that I wanted to ask you actually. So I'll, I'll kick things off because you wanna, do you want to do you want to reschedule? Um, mate, now that we're talking, let's just go ahead, and then if another opportunity comes up because uh, you know the COVID nineteen thing and all the rest of it, we've got a bit of time on our hands, and you've got some time to chat. Let's do it. Yeah, I might as well just do ask the questions that I've got now, though, if you're cool with it. Okay, let's go. Okay. Look, I'm a long-time Testament fan, and I've always loved yours and Alex's guitar playing. And I mentioned this to Chuck when I had a chat to him, that the band haven't had a bad episode, a.k.a. Megadeth's Risk, or just about everything Metallica has done, Think, think uh, I think, since And Justice, and that's just my opinion, of course. But you're ageing with all the grace of a caged tiger who's sick of living in captivity, which is a truly great thing. And Titans of Creation, I've had it now for a while. It's just vicious. All of the signature ingredients that yourself and Chuck have imbued into the DNA of the band, they're there over the past 35 years or so. And the songwriting is just on point with this album too. It's brutally heavy in parts, but it's just melodic. So my my question for you after all of that, and I know you're pretty much the guy that writes a lot of the songs, so did you compose a lot of the songs and then did you send them out via the old cloud bank, you know, Dropbox or Google Drive, what have you, to Gene, Steve and Alex? And, And can you also just tell me how you wrote the songs? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, you know, I come up with about 90% of the, of the material and 
I uh, work out of my room. I have a little jam room at my house. I call it the Dragon Lair. And in there, I have, uh, you know, I have my Kemper, which is a profiling amp. And I and I have a little mini kit, which uh, triggers uh, tune tracks. And when you listen, you know, in headphones or through the speakers, it, it sounds like a real drum set. You can pick different drum sets. We happen to pick... Uh, John Tempesta's kit, right? That's what I got going. It sounds really good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how, you know, basically I'll get a library of riffs that I like that I think are cool. And um, most of the time I kind of have a song mapped out in my head. Um, I'll have Gene or, who, you know, on this record, Gene would, would uh, come stay with me for like a week. Um, he'd come up like twice a month. And we would uh, just hammer out all the ideas um, and record them right onto Logic. And then we could, yeah. you know, with the next day, you know, goof around a little bit more. You know, when he would leave, I would kind of edit some of his stuff. Just it's MIDI, it's a lot easier to do that. And then I would put a couple guitars on there and then uh, send it out to everybody. Let them hear, you know, let, let Chuck hear it, send it to Steve. And, uh, yeah, and I'd get Steve to come over and put some bass down on it. and uh, Chuck would bust around at his house with, you know, vocal ideas. Um, a lot of that, you know, when we finally get together, a lot of stuff changes when we get in person. Um, on this one, I didn't really get to hear too much of Chuck's demo stuff. Yeah. Um, but when we, got in, when we got into the studio, we would kind of mold, you know, mold stuff together. And it came out pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. And then um, Alex has a couple tracks on here, and he kind of did it the same way, but I think he worked at the drum machine. Okay, yeah. When I heard it, it sounded like a lot of work. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all, that, all, all that programming, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's it like uh, working with DiGiorgio? Because by my own uh, estimation, he's probably the greatest extreme metal bassist ever. I, I, he certainly was the first guy to do what he was doing, and he's been copied so often. Is it a case where you just let him off the leash and do whatever he wants to do, or do you have to give him some fairly specific instructions so he doesn't come back with this monster bass line? Um, he would come over, and I would teach him how the, the song goes. You know, I'd show him. Obviously, he's got to know what the guitar is doing. And then we would just... Uh, you know, like if, if there's a part that since I know the song, you know, rather well from playing it for a couple months, I would just say, you know, okay, after he had played the song with me, I would say right here, you could probably do something, you know, and I would mimic something like, and then, uh, yeah, you know, he just, he would get his stuff down like that. So basically, you know, how, I guess any any band does it. You, you know, whoever wrote the song would show everybody it, and then you kind of find your part where you want to, you know, where the solo goes, or there's sure. an open chord of the bass that calls calls for the bass to move around a little bit. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I want to go back in time a little bit to the '90s and the Demonic album, uh, because on my podcast series, I do talk about the '90s a lot. <laughs> and the challenges that were facing metal bands back then, because I don't think a lot of younger listeners really appreciate how difficult it was for heavy metal through that era. Now, I've mentioned Metallica and Megadeth, and even Slayer had their moment with Diabolus and Musica, which gave a nod to new metal in 1998. 
But you guys went against the tide. So on Demonic, you guys doubled down on the heavy metal. You got far heavier. And you truly endeared yourself, I think, to the metal faithful in an era when so many didn't. But do you consider that that album, I feel, is a bit of a standalone effort for me, you guys, in that it doesn't sound like any of your other albums. So do you think it's an important album for you guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. Demonic was... Uh, well, first of all, Low came before that, and that was going to be our last record, our last uh, option for with Atlantic Records. And they sent a guy over to us and he was our A&R guy and he was like, yeah, if we could get, you know, you guys are metal, but we could swing a little alternative into it. And so in my mind, alternative means something different. And uh, I decided to, uh, we wrote Doc Day Scott's and I thought, okay, this is alternative. <laughs> so that's where that, that's where the whole, Chuck Death Voice started, we recognized his one of his secret powers that he didn't have. Um, you know, he, he would always do grunts and stuff on the earlier stuff, but never, you know, like singing like that. Um, so yeah, along comes Demonic. Demonic was actually supposed to be, I think we had kind of a falling out at, at some point with with everybody, and um, we, re, we recruited uh, uh Chris Contos and some other guy on bass and we had we had some songs and we were going to do a like a new project and that didn't work out so we got Dave or not Dave we have uh, got Gene involved and um, uh, Greggy was with us and Greggy was going through a lot of personal stuff so we kind of just were like you know forget it we're done <laughs> I think me and Chuck said we qu we we quit our own band, <laughs> and uh, we 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 resumed back together, and we got Derek, my cousin Derek, involved, and he played bass. And when we were done with it, you know, we were just like the record company was getting ready for it, and he was they were just like, uh, yeah, you know, we're we're all behind you with this new thing, but we really think this should be testament. Can you hold on a second? Sure, man. Yeah, no worries. Hey, sorry about that. No, good. No worries. You're you're a popular man. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> so, so I was. Uh, I thought this this interview wasn't going to happen, so I was going to go get a coffee, and I'm I'm at a drive-through right now. Anyway, so the label was just like, uh, yeah, we're behind you, but you know, I don't think, so basically, in a nutshell, they they talked us into uh, it being testament still. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm um, glad they did. Yes, me too. I mean, it's it's you know it's a it was a this record when we we once we did it and we went we went out on tour. I think we toured from like August to uh, December nonstop. Yeah. So ba basically, like we didn't go home and wait a couple weeks. We just we stayed out for like five six months. It was crazy. But we did like, you know, we played every bar, every, we kind of just went out there and just built our name back up um, because from the ritual to low, our, we were playing to like half, you know, half filled places and it was, it was getting kind of, it was getting kind of tough. It was a weird time, uh, you know, the early 90s. Yeah. But by the later 90s, playing smaller places and, you know, taking smaller guarantees and 
we really built our name back up with this record and we we got respect i think from the underground and i agree totally the, yeah yeah and uh you know by the time the tour was over the guys that were in the band were just they were just like fuck off you know <laughs> Cause it was, it was, it was really, it was really brutal. And, uh, so, you know, me and Chuck and myself, uh, we recruited, uh, Dave Lombardo. Uh, Derek was like, I'm done. You know, that you should call this guy up, Steve DiGiorgio. Mm-hmm. Um, I called, called Steve up. Um, we recruited James Murphy again from low. Yep. And, and we went out and we came back with, uh, with the gathering. And when the gathering hit, that was just like, we were just like back on top again. I agree that totally. Really, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad talking to you that you see it the way that I saw it as a fan back then too, because I felt as though, and this is a big compliment, I feel as though The Gathering was one of the albums that signaled, it was actually the first slither of sunlight on the dawn of the rebirth of heavy metal in the new millennium. You know that, The Gathering? Because it was no bullshit. You'd come off Demonic, which is an underground album, to your point, but The Gathering is more in... in the style of traditional testament albums but it's more it's got more going on and and i know you did the retro album thing in 2001 but you followed up the gathering with the extremely impressive formation of damnation almost 10 years later and yet you haven't stopped since and when i was talking to chuck i did i did say that i think you guys truly in terms of impact on the mainstream a lot of people who don't listen to heavy metal know who you guys are but you're one of the bands that actually dragged heavy metal back into the spotlight in the early 2000s. So do you get a lot of that feedback? And are you, are you yourself aware of that? Well, I mean, like Demonic, I know I just seen the, you know, towards the end, because we were just, at that point, we weren't trying to get on any bigger tours. We just were like, we just want to play wherever we could play. And we were just, we were, we were just heavy again. Um, I mean, our, when I, I look back at our set list, I'm like, holy shit, you know, and um, just getting, like I said, getting respect in the underground again, it, we, we had now a solid foundation. Um, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, that band's cool. I heard them on the radio and, you know, you, you really don't have a fan. They're just like, oh, yeah, I know that song. I mean, these people were like, you know, not budging for us. So it was, was awesome. And then, you know, the gathering... Uh, just copied it all back in. And uh, I'm just kind of repeating myself, but basically what that record did for us is it just, it put us back on track for the 2000s. And I remember, you know, like years later, a lot lot of Swedish bands and a lot of European, not only Swedish bands, but Swedish uh, studios were using our record as a reference for mixing. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. I was told that by a couple people that you know that people that were top producers like uh, uh, like Peter Tagtrin, those sort of guys. Yeah, you know, like uh, Daniel Bergstrand and uh, Frederick. Uh, uh, what's his last name? God, uh, it's from Gothenburg. Gotcha. Frederick yeah, Nordstrom. Nordstrom. I think it's Nordstrom. Yeah. Nordstrom. Yeah, I'm thinking of the department store Nordstrom. Yeah, it's Nordstrom. And I ended up. I found that because I ended up working with him on a, on a Dragon Lord record. He was telling me about that, that, you know, when he was doing, uh, oh, what's that band? Um, the Haunted's band before them. Um, oh, At The Gates. Oh, At The Gates. Oh, God, So there's yeah. bands like yeah. that, yeah, and, like, Soil Work and all them, but they were all just, like, a lot of them were, you know, 
giving the producer, like, we want to sound like this. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of heard that just through the grapevine for a lot of Swedish people. And um, it, was, it was cool. I mean, you hear it later, you know, it just kind of made it like, okay, you know, like, because it felt comfortable playing that style of music. And even though we, you know, on the formation, it kind of encompassed everything, but it still kept the integrity of the gathering. I think Titans of Creation is more closer to, out of the, the last four records we've done, I think Titans is more closer to the gathering, just in the, the pummeling sense of each song just kind of jabbing at you, you know? Mm. So a, a lot of bands, though, they like, as I say, Megadeth Risk, I still can't listen to it. I'm not being too... Uh, harsh on Dave there. I understand what he's trying to do. He's always tried to get his music onto radio. But a lot of those albums that were released by bands such as Megadeth and Slayer through the 90s, people don't listen to them anymore. They're just, they're almost not considered part of the catalogue by the nucleus of fans out there. But somehow you guys got through that period. And you could have. And I asked Chuck this question too. The temptation to write your version of Nothing Else Matters would have been very strong, I imagine, and sort of cave into that demand from record company types but it's it sounds like from all that you've said it sounds like there wasn't even a thought twice to to go that route you just wanted to stay who you were and be true to yourselves and release the music that you wanted to or or was there or did you actually feel that pressure to sort of bend toward the mainstream in an era when so many did well i mean i i'm i'm all for i you know i'm not, i grew up listening on for me, a, a, a great heavy metal record is that has to have a couple slow songs, you know, like mm. listening to Scorpions, Left Drive, you know, Holiday, you know, and, uh, you know, Metallica, you know, with their, you know, Nothing Else Matters. I mean, those songs are coming from the heart to me. When I hear them, I think they're heavy as fuck. I mean, you can tell when something is written for a radio, you know, yeah. but when it gets, you know, when it gets, uh, it makes when you when you're, when you're hearing your arms stand up and you're listening to something slow, I mean, that could be just as powerful too. And um, we don't do them as much as we, as we, you know, we have in the past. Um, Dark Roots of Earth, we did one called Cold Embrace. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's a great song. I mean, we had one for this record, but we didn't, it wasn't ready. And um, so it'll be on the next one. But um, mm-hmm. that's but- super cute. I, I wish people could have heard it. Really yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Please I'm, do release it. I'm not it trying to can. defy what you're saying. I'm not trying to defy what you're saying. I mean, I get it, but um, yeah, I mean, most the bulk of it is is just maddening. You know, we like the the crazy shit. Hmm. But you also the thing about you, mate, is that you you've got Dragon Lord as well. So you, you're, yeah. you're probably the first out of all of the thrash luminaries, like the big heavy metal luminaries that I was a fan of, to reference extreme metal outside of Demonic, and have your own band. So Dominion has been out now for a few years, and I know you were talking, I think it was about 2008 or 9 or 10, I can't remember now, I was reading an interview with, with you back then where you were talk, saying that the record label didn't want to release some stuff from Dragon Lord or something. It sounded like you were in a funny situation there with the label and, and the way that they felt black metal was trending in the United States. But Dominion's a strong album, man. So that's been out for a few years. And did it reach the, the audience that you wanted it to? In other words, did you get a lot of feedback about it? Yeah, the reviews are great. I mean, I a lot of people, especially especially 
on this new record with me singing on Night of the Witch and uh, mm-hmm. Chris and Osiris, um, it I think it, it really opened up a lot of people to go, you know, to ask about, don't you have a, a side band? <laughs> mm, yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, these are just personal DMs, you know, from Instagram and and uh, Facebook and stuff like that. But um, and even some magazines are like, hey, don't you have like a? Because they're like, I really love your vocals on that song, and so a lot of them, have, even you know, pre the interview, they have went and looked it up and listened to it, and they're just like, man, I never knew. So, I think the reason a lot of people don't know is I just I've never really toured. I mean, Dragon Lord's been around since 2000. I think I've done 22 shows in Dragon Lord's career. You know, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Not, it's not a career; it's more of a side project. I shouldn't say career. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, with uh, with this, the new one, Dominion, um, I really, really wanted to get out and do something, but I just I knew it wasn't going to happen because of uh, you know the the schedule and you know what for testament just sure. what, what's the demanding yeah. of it so demanding um so, you know one day i'd like to get out there and do something that'd be cool it's it's quality stuff mate it reminds me a bit of emperor actually it always has and uh was yeah. that the inspiration behind it was it the norwegian black metal bands in the beginning yeah definitely i mean i was listening to uh dissection um old man's child demure emperor Mayhem, um, Anorexia Nervosa, those, all those, you know, all those bands were, were inspiration, um, you know, and, and also blending in, you know, my style, my style with it. So it had more of a beefy, I guess, thrash sound to it. Um, yeah, definitely. It wasn't, it wasn't so much relying on the orchestra kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but this new one is, uh, definitely a lot of orchestration going on so hmm. well same with your stuff i think you've got a, a i don't i couldn't recall the name of your keyboardist there but i understand you compose a lot of the music for dragon lord with him yeah yeah we'll, we'll jam together and um he'll play something and then i'll make up a riff to it i mean my whole point with, with that was i really wouldn't think of those riffs without hearing you know the keyboard yeah some of the stuff that he does yeah, yeah. i get it yeah i get it yeah um i think that's it mate i think you, you got another call coming through a two three minutes so i really wish yeah the scheduling had been on point mate so that we could have a longer conversation because god knows i've got a lot, lot more questions to ask I mean, you but i mean we, we could talk we could talk till they call um yeah okay yeah let's do it mate yeah yeah um because i feel as though and I've always wanted to talk to you about this. I just feel like as though Testament have the most credibility out of all of the American thrash bands. And I know fans, a lot of fans feel like myself. Died in the wool, heavy metal fans. I listen to all sorts of music, by the way, but when I want to listen to heavy metal, I want it to be real heavy metal, and that's you guys. And you're an extremely... Oh, under- thank you. Well, you're an extremely underrated band, I think, and a lot of people, kind of myself included, to be frank, think that it really should be you guys over Anthrax and the Big Four. Do, do you feel as though Testament gets the props from the media? Because I think I think you do, but do you feel that way yourselves? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think when we do when we do interviews and we talk to people, I mean, I think the people that take the time and listen to it, they kind of scratch their heads a little bit. Um, 
on the, on our status, you know, like why we're not bigger. But I mean, I'm I'm happy with where we're at. You know, we we do pretty good. I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, it'd be better. I mean, we're we're kind of we're, we're kind of in the middle, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people find that about you guys is that they've heard of you, and then when they listen to you, they're like, "My God, I've got a lot of albums to listen to here to to, to get into because it's all quality stuff." What, so what what inspires you with the riff writing? Because some of your riffs are, are all time; they're fantastic. Yeah, I am just being a, a fan of metal, man. I mean, I think uh, when it's time to write, I don't, I don't think okay, radio or I just I kind of I turned kind of into a fan, I guess, and I'm just thinking to myself like, what do I want to hear? Mm. Um. And that's one way to look at it. Another way is, you know, I, I will hit walls and just be like, oh, I've already done that. I already did that. You know, and then you start tripping like, you know, so I'm going to play along to a beat and it's going to go, it's going to be a thrash beat. Mm. Like, okay, I've already done that. You kind of go into those little spells and it, it kind of sucks, but you just got to rem- remember that. What's um, if- You know, there's 12 notes. There's 12 notes, and it's it's like mm. in all of, in all of music, but it's not it's not that they're limited. It's like what do you do with it? You know, it's a feeling, I guess. And um, I just I'll just record myself and just get lost in what I'm doing, and then like an hour later, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm recording, and then I'll just you know crack open a beer and listen back, sit down and just listen to to all the fumbles and some, and then so there'll be some great moments, and I'll. I'll go highlight it and loop it and I'll just listen to that for a while, you know, and then I'll get my guitar, maybe play along with it or mm. so. Mm. Yeah. Is, do you have a favorite Testament song? Is there a song that you, uh, you prefer in, in so far as you think the riff is the strongest one that you've written? Well, I know there's one that stood the test of time. That's for sure is over the wall. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I could see that. I could see that song on, on the, our new record. Um, nice. Just from all the punches and the chugging and the breakdowns and the, the the changing of the keys and the solos and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the New Order as well. Yeah. God, that guy sounded like he was motoring. <laughs> <laughs> no, some uh, Hell's Angel dude drove by. Oh sweet, cool, yeah. Yeah, you, you when uh, you in San Francisco, or are you just outside of it? Uh, I'm in the Sacramento area. Okay, I'm not too familiar with it all, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know it's the capital of California. I know that, but uh, I've been to California once, yeah, but I just did the tourist thing. Yeah, kind of in the middle, I guess, northern, northern middle. Yeah, has, has Australia been an important territory for you guys over the years? I know it took us a while to get there, and um, we had uh, we had we had troubles coming back. We found one promoter, and he brought us back a couple times, and we, we did really good, and we sold out. And then we, uh, I think we were involved with Soundwave once, yeah. mm-hmm. and it had. It, I don't think we we've been there since fourteen, and we were really looking forward to coming and doing the download. Um. But as that turned out, you know, that got canceled. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll definitely get down there again. I was kind of hoping to hit New Zealand up as well. I know that's kind of your, your guy's neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, there so, are plenty, uh, plenty of Kiwis in Australia these days, mate, so I think half of the place, would, just about every Kiwi that would want to watch you guys, would be over here anyway. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, I think, isn't it? Metal really went away in Australia for a long time, probably 10, 10 years or so. And it was very, outside of a couple of record stores pre-internet, it was very hard to find it anywhere. But people always find the quality stuff, mate, and that's you guys, you know, so. But, um, thank you. You know, so but what about the guitar side of things as well? Can you tell me about? I know you mentioned the Kemper early on there, and I'm a musician, so this stuff always really interests me. What guitars did you write with, or what did you use to record um, Titans of Creation? Um, so I have a I have a lot of different guitars in my in my studio. Um, I'm endorsed with Dean Guitars. That's what I use live. Um, when I record all. I have some old guitars that I've used forever. Like, uh, I have a Gibson, um, black custom and I use that. Um, I have this white, um, signature to the old school model. There's, there's one of them that just sounds crazy killer. And I use that one as well. And, um, I have an Explorer from, uh, from Dean guitars that I use for the whammy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, some of the solos I use one of my old Stratocasters. I have a Richie Blackmore signature. Oh, nice, beautiful, yeah, fantastic. What year is that one? Yeah, it's kind of when it first came out. It's been a while. It's been a little over twelve years old, maybe. Hey, that other person's calling right now. So um, thanks uh, very much, Alex. Uh, sorry, not Alex. Eric. Sorry, my my fault. Sorry, I spoke to Alex before. <laughs> but Eric, thanks very much, oh, brother. He just, he just, he just hung up, so we can talk till he calls back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, how's, I hope I can ask this question, mate. How's Greg Christian going? I hope it's not too sensitive a question, in other words. I have no idea. Um, I've heard some some people that... Um, I, I'm, I'm friends with my uh, producer, Juan Ortega. We talk a lot, and they'll be like, yeah, Greg's band was in here recording. I'm all, oh, how's he doing? He's doing all right, you know? So, I mean, that's about what I hear. He's doing all right. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Yeah. Mate, that happens. But and then you... sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'll hear, you know, stuff on Blabbermouth. He'll start talking about something from the past, and I'm just like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Mate, when... But uh, I hope he's well. Yeah, it's a lot like that, isn't it? I mean, look, God knows how many bands I've been in, but I'm in touch with barely any of them these days. Bands, it's, it, bands are no different to the rest of society. People come into your life and they go out of your life. And I don't think, especially especially with fans, fans tend to look into things that aren't there. We'll try to sort of, you know, the blabbermouth forum conversations, um, read into things yeah. that really aren't there. God knows I've had enough of my stuff get picked up on and put on blabbermouth. And, you know, this one, I don't have a problem with blabbermouth, by the way. Sometimes I think it's necessary because of the publicity that it gives bands. But... Uh, you know, you can take one snippet of a conversation out and it can be extrapolated to be something that it isn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of the younger fans just haven't been alive long enough to understand that human relationships are very complicated. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you grow up, you, we, we started when we were in our younger 20s and, um, you know, things change and, you know, you're, you choose what you do in life and then, you know, that reflects on, you know, how you get along with everybody, you know? Mm. Yeah. Alex is, so, Alex is a monster player though too. You, you must enjoy having a guy like him around. 
Oh, definitely. Alex is like a, an encyclopedia. You know what I love about Alex is I'm like, hey, how do you play this song? <laughs> and it's like, we, we were, because we, we were working on this, uh, uh, this acoustic song that we were going to do. Oh, shit. This guy's calling again. I'm going to. All right, brother. No uh, worries. Well, hopefully we'll catch up soon, eh? Okay. Take care, man. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. mate. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject is the great Eric Peterson from Testament. Thanks for listening.